You have put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. A sound that resonates. That all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you. To see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages. Creator. Author. Victor. In love, you established an everlasting covenant with your people. And it's your love that captivates us. As children of the King, we rush in as waves unrestrained. Overcome, overwhelmed, that the King crowned in glory and splendor would reach down to place a crown upon our heads. So we raise our banner, the banner we boldly stand under, the banner of Jesus Christ. From dusk to dawn, from age to age, your praise resounds in all the earth. Deliverer, Redeemer, ruler of an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. We trust in the name of Christ Jesus, the only King forever. Welcome to Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. You can find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally mormon. And the text will also be posted on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. You can also find the text and the audio to this radio program on iTunes at Fundamentally Mormon and in the different Facebook groups that I am an admin of. Some of those groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, Latter-day Unity, and others. You can find the pages that I admin also on my Facebook wall. And if you enjoy this program, please friend request me or follow me and uh, make me one of your close friends. We try to put out as many episodes as we can during the week. But I'm thankful for you to be here today. Let's get right into the reading today. We are going to be reading out of Ogden Kraut's books. You can find his books for free to read online at ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. And it came to pass that while he was journeying there, being weighed down with sorrow, waiting through much affliction, and much tribulation, and anguish of soul, because of the wickedness of the people who were in the city of Ammonihah, 
It came to pass, while Alma was thus weighed down with sorrow, behold, an angel of Jehovah appeared unto him, saying, Blessed are you, Alma. Therefore, Are you there? Can you hear me? Hello? I don't know if the radio show can't hear me or just um, Mark can't hear me. I am not sure. Let me troubleshoot this really quick. could not hear anything else going on, just um, dead air for a while. So I wasn't sure what was being played. Then all of a sudden I did hear a little bit, and he is on. He can hear, but he's in a bad area, so it's hard to hear him or anything else being said. So I'm going to go ahead and I am going to start the radio show. When he gets down from the mines where he's at, he will be able to um, join the show tonight, the program. Um, so tonight we are going to be continuing on. Oh, I am on his page and looking for what we are reading tonight. So the conclusion, part two of chapter 16, Holy Priesthood. Volume 4, pages 239 to 247, Destructions and Cleansing. Okay, so this is about where we left off yesterday. Um, and I'll just do a little bit of a recap. First, let's just dedicate the program. I know that um, he can't be here to do that, so I will go ahead and dedicate the program. Um, <clears throat> Our Father in Heaven, we come before thee this uh, night this eve and give thee thanks and all the praise lord and we are grateful to thee uh for this time that we have uh right now just to learn of thee and to read thy word to understand and um have our minds opened up to uh, the history and the past so that way we can make better decisions that we can um not repeat the bad decisions of the past but also that we can uh, do what it is that thou hast asked us to do in the first place so that we can bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man here on the earth uh, as you have it in heaven. And we ask thee, Father, to be with us this night and to be able to watch over us, keep us safe, and have thy Holy Spirit to be with us. Uh, we do all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so we'll get right into the reading. Real quick, can you hear me now? Yes. Yes, I can. So, um, my line was unmuted in the studio, and okay. it got muted again. So, I don't know if anybody heard anything I was saying. You yeah, that's why I wasn't couldn't. saying anything. I couldn't, and then all of a sudden I heard one thing, and then I was like, oh, okay, maybe he is on. And then I was like, I don't know, maybe nobody can hear me. Maybe it's a me thing. So that's why I was trying to find out. I was like, uh. So we have these little technical difficulties going on. 
just at the beginning. And expect it all throughout the show. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times little glitches happen that don't ever happen until we're doing the radio show or until we say something that is kind of uh, out there. I don't know. And then all of a sudden. Or we read Leviticus it. where it says to stone somebody. Uh, oh, yeah, homosexual. That was and I was talking about that last night on the on the call. Nobody is justified to kill anybody, okay? There's a lot of things in the Torah which were added by a immature teenage king called King Josiah, which were not originally part of the Torah. So Jesus never stoned the woman caught in adultery, but he kept the Torah perfectly. Yeah. Well, kept the Torah perfectly according to the one that we got after the Babylonian captivity, then all oh, he didn't keep it perfectly and he sinned and he wasn't perfect. But he did keep it perfectly because that is not part of the original Torah. So there's a lot of things in the 613 laws which were added by an immature king named King Josiah. And part of the reason why Jerusalem was uh, taken into captivity is because because of that, because of the perversion of the Torah, and because they were worshiping the Sabbath day on the wrong day. Jeremiah actually told them when to do it, and they wouldn't listen to him because he was just some pro, just some crazy crackpot, you know, prophet. And he didn't know what he was talking about because everybody's doing it the other way. Nobody listens to prophets because we're all crazy, I guess. Anyway, so so when we get to the part about the whole homosexual thing, I'm going to let yeah. God judge the homosexual people. I know people who um, who are, have uh, homosexual tendencies, and the reason why they have those tendencies is because of stuff that happened to them in the past. Now, I'm going to reveal something about myself, which I don't like to talk about. Kim knows all about it. I, for a while, when I was 16, 17, 18, thought that I was attracted to men. Because I was scared of women. Because I had a woman who I should have been able to trust do things to me when I was a small child. Because she's a perverted nut job. Okay, and because of those things, I felt more comfortable with men than I did with women. Now, when I came out of that, I realized, actually, I kind of experimented in that a little bit. I didn't have sex with a guy or anything, but I had a boyfriend. His name was Sean, I think. Kim, do you, did, I've told you about him before, haven't I? Brad. Well, of course I have. But Brad. Okay. Yeah, Brad. Oh, Brad, that guy. Anyway, and then my best friend in the world from high school years is a bisexual man who I moved to St. Petersburg, Florida with. And we used to go to dance clubs and stuff and like, uh, well, even when we lived in Salt Lake. Um I'd go to dance, and he could choose, we, we have this thing. I got to choose one week where we went. He got to choose the next week where we went. 
You like to go to gay, friendly bars and dance clubs or whatever. And so I always thought it was funny because the girls, uh, the, the, the gay guys would bring their straight girlfriends to these dance clubs, and these girls would let down their guard and think everybody was gay. So, like, you know, they're not being hit on by all these creeps. <laughs> And uh, I had more opportunity to, like, dance with people and just have fun, you know. Of course, I wasn't uh, doing sexual stuff with anyone, but um, but I've met lesbians that have been molested by men, and they feel more comfortable with women than they do with men. I'm not going to stone them to death because of their life choices. It's a sin. Guess what? We all sin. That's why Jesus Christ came on the cross and paid for our sins in the Garden of Gethsemane. We're all sinners. So people that get all uppity because they sin different than somebody else, I have a problem with that. I will let God judge them. I'm still friends with, my, with all of my gay friends. I love them. They are the funnest people I have ever met. No, I do not um, support their choices, per se, and, uh, but I'm not going like, to point to Leviticus, partly because, uh, especially the penalties. First of all, uh, it's talking about the camp of Israel and what should happen in the camp of Israel. Well, if the people are not holding up to the line in the camp, cast them out of the camp. You don't have to kill people because they don't live the way you live. Anyway, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to be kind. And and I know what Josiah did. So and I, um, I don't know what to say about that other than that that's my views on the subject. So anyway, um, I'll uh, mute myself and Kim can can read through. We're, we're actually starting a page behind where we ended off last night because she said yeah, she okay. was near page 240. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so, all right, I'll give my that's okay. that's okay. One of the things that I love about you, it used to make me nervous because you would tell all of the things about you, good, bad, and ugly. There was no secrets or hiding or anything. And so it always made me nervous, like, people are going to judge you because of this, or people are going to be so judgy, you know, because that's what people do. They, they judge people. They will always find um, a reason to judge me. Yeah, so like, I like, used to be afraid, but now I love that about you. I love that you don't try to hide yourself and who you are. You know what I mean? Like, you are, you have sinned, you've made sin, like, bad mistakes before, and you repented for those. You are... Um, who you are because of the things that have made you that you know this person that you are and so I love that you don't hide the bad and try to pretend like you're somebody that you're not I like that about you and I think it speaks worlds of who you are um, so anyways continuing on <clears throat> we're going to read the conclusion part two of chapter 16 of holy priesthood volume 4 pages 239 to 247 destructions and cleansings the evidence is clear that for many years we have lived in Babylon, but the day will come when it be said, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. 
Revelations chapter 18, verse 2. The Lord will have to destroy all its wickedness to prepare for the reestablishment of his kingdom on the earth. Why does the earth need to suffer wars and destructions? It is a cleansing process. Since man has failed to honor the laws of God, they will reap their punishment. God gave the commandments to be fruitful and multiply. Genesis chapter 1, verse 24. Very common scripture. Everybody kind of knows that. Be fruitful and multiply. But society and government now encourage small families and promote birth control and contraceptives, even in public schools. God forbids whoredom, prostitution, adultery, making laws to burn or stone the guilty parties to death. See Leviticus chapter 21, verse 9, Numbers chapter 5, verse 22, and Genesis chapter 38, verse 4. These sins and countless oh, more rage in every city of our nation. Kim, yep. i got to say yep. something. Okay. This is why Revelation is so extremely important. There have been atrocities committed by people who think that the scriptures say a thing. But they don't get revelation as to whether that is the true interpretation or if even that should even be, or if that should even be in the scriptures at all. Case in point, where Paul talks about how women should shut their mouths in churches. That was added by the Romans after they hijacked early Christianity. It is not found anywhere in the scriptures uh, before three three to four hundred years after Christ is when it started appearing in the text that we have today. Now, because it's in the scriptures, because solo scriptura, you know, these people think, oh, women should not be able to speak in church. And some people take that to, to the extreme, and some people disregard it and say that's Paul's opinion, whatever. I don't care. If it it was Paul's opinion, so what? If it's in the scriptures, so what? If you believe a thing that's in the scriptures, like I should stone to death my wife who's an apostate, because that's in Torah, or whatever else is in any of the scriptures, take it to God, tell him what you believe about the matter after you studied it out. Tell him that you believe it and you want confirmation of the spirit that that, what you believe, is true. If what you believe is false, the spirit will withdraw from you because you believe false doctrine and false interpretation. Then go to God and ask for forgiveness for believing in such foolish and false doctrine then this spirit will return to you. If what you believe is true, then you will have an increase in the spirit. And uh, the fruit of the spirit, Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, uh, includes peace, joy, love, and these type of feelings. That's the way it works. If you have a personal uh, presence of of Jesus within your midst, and he is coming to confirm truth within you, your heart will burn within you, and you will know that it is true, and you will have the fruit of the Spirit accompany that burning in the bosom type of feeling that they talk about. Did not our hearts burn within us? You know, that the two disciples that were walking on the road to Emmaus, 
when Jesus was walking with them and they did not uh, understand that it was him. And then he disappeared. They looked at each other and they said, did not our hearts burn within us? As if to say we should have known it was him because they knew what it was like to be in his presence when he was in mortality. Anyway, so I'm going to leave it at that. I'll mute myself again. I'm going into Sunnyside Dip anyway. So. Okay. Also, I just wanted to add to that something that I disagree with there. It says, you know, it says be fruitful and multiply. And then it says, but society and government now encourage small families and promote birth control and contraceptives, even in public schools. This is not, like, maybe that means to some people that you should not use birth control or you should not have contraceptives or anything like that. Um, I disagree. I think that so many things people try to put this broad spectrum over because they don't understand the struggles and the problems that other people have. And so I think they try to do this generalized, well, you're not a good person because you aren't trying to have a million babies. And, you know, it's it's not a bad thing to have children. We have, I have tried to have nine kids. Um, we have lost several. I have five who are living. Um, and now I am told that, um, you know, I have medical professionals who would not recommend me even having another child because I could die from having a kid. Um, so for me to, um, and for me that's to because take of what advice, happened in November. Yeah, it's that, that's what happened. Yeah, because of what happened with our uh, our baby Emma who passed away after one day. Um, so and how she was born like, and all the stuff that happened with that. Yeah, and there the was a lot of trauma. Sustained. Yeah, I don't want to talk about all of it, though, because then I'll just be a blubbering mess. So, um, so I, myself, I should not be having more children. Now, depending on which fundamentalist group you decide to follow, go with, or think who is in charge of everybody, what, you know, what, who's the one man, um, it, they say, some of them say you should not, um, you know, know your husband. You should not have sex with your husband. Um, if you are not trying to have a baby. So what they are saying is because I can no longer have children, though we would love more, um, that I should not know my husband that way. Um, I highly disagree with that because uh, that wasn't just put here to have children. That's not the whole reason for that. There is uh, unitedness, uh, you know, togetherness, a relationship that is bonded. An emotional bond. Yeah, between husband and wife. It isn't just to have children, though that is a beautiful, perfect gift that you get because of the bond that you share with your husband or wife. Um, however, I disagree with um, only, you know, when you can conceive, you should be having intercourse. I disagree with that completely. So, well, um, the, the law of purity, as they call it, actually contradicts. Yeah the Torah. Uh, and Joseph Smith said if they contradict the Bible, the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine of Covenants, he set them down as imposters. And whoever came up with the foolish law of purity yeah, within fundamentalism, uh, he received that revelation, if it was a revelation at all, and not his own stupid opinion, by the devil. Because that's where that comes from. It contradicts former revelation. 
so um yeah so i just disagree with that so i just wanted to say you know on here and and that i i don't believe that everybody is cut and dry like what they should or should not be doing i obviously have been fruitful to the best of my ability to multiply and uh raise children um so that they are you know close to god so they have their own personal relationship with god i don't try to neither want my husband or i try to manipulate the our children to believe a certain thing we just explain um kind of how we are actually to the audience we explain things this is why i believe this this is who i am and what i have been through and you are allowed to believe whatever you want we do have them say prayers they do that um actually i have i have girls who are super they're so special so my my little girls when olivia was um, Eliza's age and Amberly's age and younger, she used to carry around a Book of Mormon everywhere she went. She used to take it to her babysitter's house, and the babysitter was like, what is she doing? And I'm like, and I don't know. She loves the book. So she was <laughs> Eliza with it. does it now, too. She did. She, she would sleep, sleep with it. With it. So, Eliza has a yep. Bible that she carries around yes, with her. Yes, and she carries that around. It's so cute. I love it. And then, um, and Amberly, she carries the little mini one that is pink with her because it's pink. It's a little mini Bible. It's actually inspirational woman Bible is what it says. But, um, uh, Kim, you know, it's, yeah. I, I'm going to go into a bad area. Okay. Amberly is six. Eliza just barely turned eight. And Olivia is 12. Um, I'm yeah. going into a bad area. Can you tell them about our dinner? and how they are at the beginning of the dinner. <laughs> oh, I'm not exactly sure to what you're referring, but um, when we go the to praying. say prayer, like they all want to say the prayer. Yeah, that's what I thought you were going to say. So they all want to say the prayer every single time. And so we're like, okay, okay. Instead of saying one prayer and just having my husband or I pray, we actually go in order of how old they are, so we let everybody pray. So it does take us, you know, 15 minutes or so until we eat but everybody says a prayer and they it goes all the way up and then i will pray and then my husband does last so yeah but they love to pray well so we they do don't have to if they don't people. want to yeah we don't make them but we do yeah they don't um, have to if they don't want to but they always want to they're always like it's my turn it's my turn and we're like okay <laughs> um so we do instill that in them, but um, we don't force them to be a religion because we don't want them to be believing in the flesh and believing in a religion, which will go wrong. As it says in scripture, where all the tables are filled with, full with vomit and filth, it is actually accurate and true. It just depends on how much you want to, I guess, believe in a club because all religion is is a bunch of clubs for people to snob out other people. They are a way to make themselves feel in, um, inferior to everybody else. So uh, we well, teach me... our children to have a relationship with God. The reference that Kim is referring to is uh, Isaiah chapter 28 that speaks about the drunkards of Ephraim who are drunk on the spirit of Babylon the Great in the last days. It's directly referring to the LDS church 
and the people of the restoration. And it says all their tables are full of vomit and filth. And what that is referring to is they throw up the meat of the gospel out of their midst, which is happening Mm -hmm. and has happened since the beginning of the rest. They always want to throw out the meat of the gospel. And so they look upon that good doctrine as, as filth and throw up. But you can take that to all, all people. All people, all churches have false doctrines, and they reject the truth of the gospel, especially the deeper things, because they don't want to do it. So they reject it. Mm-hmm. So they look upon the truth of the gospel as, of the fullness of the gospel, as filth and vomit. But that, that revelation is specifically speaking of Isaiah chapter 28 and the drunkards of Ephraim who are drunk on the spirit of Babylon the Great in the last days. Yep. So anyways, we I'm going to continue on with the reading. I just wanted to say, you know, that um, about the birth control, about... You know, everybody's situations are different, and I don't entirely agree with that statement or the interpretation of that scripture. Kim, um, can you see anyways, the moon over there rising? Rising in the east where it rises. So I know I'm facing the east, but I cannot see it because, well, I have trees in my right in my Oh, it's of pretty right low now. in the sky. It's pretty. There's supposed to be a blood moon tonight, by the way. I know, and it's so funny. So I don't, so I teach. Everybody knows that, right? So I teach in in an elementary school, in a government elementary school. Um, And so I'm not allowed to teach religious stuff. And I don't. It's not difficult for me. I, but I do, today I did teach about the blood moon. (laughs) So... Um, I explained to um, kids about uh, what happens with an eclipse and how that it turns into a blood moon, and that's exactly what they call it on this science video that I found. So um, it's a science video for kids, and that's how they explained it. So I thought it was really interesting. Anyways, let me continue. Um, God established laws against homosexuals, saying, If a man also lie with mankind, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. That's Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13. But instead, our government makes civil rights laws to protect them. And the list goes on and on. So, is it any wonder that there will have to be drastic destructions to bring about complete cleansing? After all these wars and destructions, the surplus of women will be even greater than before. So the question arises, and this is from the seer. Well, actually, there's a few quotes within this um, part. One of them is from Isaiah uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Well, let me go ahead and read that one first. In that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. How are the overplus females to obtain husbands for eternity? So these, this, they're trying to answer that in the words of Isaiah. Thus, we see that reproach of a, having no husband will be far greater than the reproach of seven women having one husband. Indeed, 
the latter will be no reproach at all. It will be the, one, the only means of taking away their reproach. Being a divine institution, it will be sought after with eagerness, even at the expense of eating their own bread and wearing their own apparel. So that is from the seer um, Orson Pratt, page 59. Many early leaders of the church saw gruesome, the gruesome fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, nation. Joseph said, the United States shall present such a scene of bloodshed as has not a parallel a parallel in the history of our nation. Doctoral History of the Church, Volume 1, page 315. Brigham foretold millions will seek to you for salvation. That's Journal of Discourse, Volume 9, page 143. And Heber prophesied millions on millions that will come when judgments come on the nations. That's Journal of Discourse, Volume 4, page 106. All this will cause the rest of Isaiah's prophecy to be fulfilled. John Taylor saw many people coming west, mostly women, who were carrying small bundles on their backs, and I thought it strange that there were so few men among them. That comes from the vision of John Taylor, Visions of the Latter Days, uh, compiled by Kraut, page 104. Wilford Woodruff said, I saw the road full of people, mostly women, with just what they could carry in bundles on their backs, traveling to the mountains on foot. That comes from Prophetic Years, Anderson, page 54. Newman Buckley, or Bulkley, sorry, reported, I saw many thousands of women and children take refuge in the timber, hazel, rough, or any place they could conceal themselves from the turmoil that was going on the state. When word reached this people of their situation, there were hundreds of 70s called upon to go and hunt them up and bring them to this people in Utah. He also saw senators hurled from the hall, and a great number of them were killed. Those surviving had the name of Edmonds printed. Dang it, I didn't even touch anything. Hmm, let's see. It had the name of Edmonds printed. It's all right. I had to reset my phone twice in the last couple minutes because it kept on kicking me off for no reason in an area where I have cell phone reception perfectly all the time. Oh. So I just found it, and then it did it to me again. Yep. Darn it. It said that it had Edmonds printed on their forehead. That's what I was, I was just looking at it, and then I was reading it. And I wonder if it's talking about the Edmonds, Edmonds Tucker Law for some reason. Um, I don't Which know. Okay, I found it again. It's uh, Visions of the Latter Days. It's from Visions oh, yeah. of the Latter Days, page 109 to 110 and 110. Really right? good book. Real, yeah, really good book. You can okay. read it at ogdencrowd.com. Visions of the Latter Days. That book is a really good one. Okay. Women who already have husbands will see the sadness and calamity of so many unfortunate single women that they will welcome their sisters into their own family to care for them and save them from their terrible plight. They will be the queens who will care for their subjects, thus fulfilling another prophecy by Isaiah. I have lost my children and I am desolate, a captive and removing to and fro. 
Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles and set up my standard to the people. And they shall bring thy sons in their arms. Thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders, and kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and their queens thy nursing mothers. They shall bow down to thee with their face towards the earth. That's from Isaiah 49. 20, verses 21 through 23. An excellent explanation of this prophecy was provided by Heber C. Kimball. Perhaps you will now refer to the Bible to prove that the time is to come when the kings of the earth will gather the saints together and when they will bring the sons and daughters of God from afar and when they will protect and sustain them, when the queens of the earth will have them by their sides and become nursing mothers unto them. Now a great many kings and queens of the various nations, but I can tell you that the kings and queens of the Gentiles will never gather the saints. And if we should wait for the rotten-hearted kings and queens of the wicked nations to gather us home, we shall have to wait a long time. Then who is to gather the people of God? You all say that we are to become a kingdom of kings and priests, of queens and priestesses, and the Bible supports this doctrine. Now, the truth is, you are the very kings and priests that have got to gather the saints, and your wives have got to school them and nurse them. The scriptures say that with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. We have to gather, or we have got to gather the people, and our wives and sisters will become the nursing mothers, for they are the queens spoken of in scripture. That's Journal of Discourse, Volume 8, page 348 and 49. And later, Brother Heber mentioned this again in Journal of Discourse, Volume 9, page 28. You elders of Israel are the very men that will have to bring the sons and daughters of Israel from afar and nurse them at your side. And your mothers, or it says you mothers, okay, and you mothers will have to take care of them when they are gathered, if you will honor your calling, end quote. In this conference address in October 1901, Jay Golden Kimball referred to other warning prophecies that had been uttered by his father, Heber. This comes from Conference Report, October 1901, page 32. Whenever we transgress the laws, we have to suffer the penalty. I remember very accurately what my father Heber C. Kimball told this people in the old brewery, said he, you men and you women that lift up your voices against the holy principle, talking of plural marriage, that has been introduced among this people, the time will come when your daughters will run these streets as common harlots and you can't help yourselves. I think some have been guilty of lifting up their voices and if there is any one thing that some people are glad and happy, it is done away with. It is that principle. I remember hearing another statement my father made. When you stand on the street corners of this great city and you cannot tell a Mormon from a Gentile, then look out for trouble. Well, it has come. The trouble has not come to us in the way of tornadoes or cyclones, but it has come to us and to our sons and daughters in the way of temptations, end quote. Terrible conditions of crime and apostasy within the LDS church were also seen by John Taylor. He spoke of seeing Joseph Smith and the Savior in 1886, and among other things, he said a manifesto would be adopted by the church, following which apostasy and whoredom would be rampant in the church. That comes from Truth Magazine, Volume 6, page 136. 
God wanted a church composed of a a peculiar people rather than a popular people. He asked for the elect to be gathered. Darn it. My phone is being ridiculous tonight. I'm sorry. Wow. I just got back in the truck. I'm over here at the coal terminal. What were you wowing about? Um, I am way off of where it was supposed to be. <laughs> it just all of a sudden resets. You know, it pushes it pushes it back, and I'm on a completely different page. But now we're good. <laughs> God wanted a church so, composed of a Kim, peculiar people. Yeah. When you're reading, don't skip over the page numbers, please, because I'll try to listen for them, and then when you. Um, have that happen, I'll try to remember where you're at. Okay, so you're um, in service to talk now, so just a when little I get bit. To the next page. Um, okay. That Grizz that I'm that Grizz that I'm dumping on tonight for this load is uh, actually in a really crappy spot. So okay. Hopefully it won't drop, but you probably won't be able to That's hear right. me. It'll break up a bunch, so. Okay. I was just skipping over because I was waiting for you to be in good service. Okay. Anyways, God wanted a church composed of a peculiar people rather than a popular people. He asked for the elect to be gathered out of Babylon rather than become a part of it. Plural marriage was once accepted amongst the Christians, but they turned against it. It was once again accepted by the Mormons, but they too have rejected it. By giving up the laws of God for the laws of man, we traded persecution for praise and wisdom for wealth. When the early Christians did the same, we called it apostasy. Apostasy. Today, we call it a blessing. The polygamy paradox. If you want to um, say something right now, the polygamy paradox is a new section. Nope. The history of Mormon polygamy is indeed a paradox, a contradiction in both principle and practice. For 40 years, the church taught that the doctrine of plural and celestial marriage is the most holy and important doctrine ever revealed to man on the earth, and that without obedience to that principle, no man can ever attain the fullness of exaltation in celestial glory. That comes from Historical Record, Volume 6, page 227. Now they call it apostasy and excommunicate him for it. The law and practical or practice of plural marriage in the Mormon Church, page 244, must hold a record for being the most confusing, contradictory, and misunderstood doctrine ever preached by any church at any time at, at any place. Five years before the manifesto, one of the apostles was so convinced that the plural that the law of plural marriage should be obeyed without compromise that he said we should, in this regard, place ourselves in the same position as that of the three Hebrews who are cast in the fiery furnace. That comes from Heber J. Grant, Deseret News, April 4, 1885. Yet shortly after this, another apostle from the opposite side of the spectrum stated, we do not understand why the Lord commanded the practice of plural marriage. End quote. That's from John A. Woodsow, Empirical Era, volume 46, page 91. Surely... It would be difficult for the Christians and Mormons alike to realize why the Lord will begin his millennial kingdom in the earth, on the earth, with so many polygamists. 
They will be even further shocked when they see those who live the principle righteously dwelling in the kingdom of heaven. Brigham Young explained, no religion is popular there, but the religion of the Bible, Episcopalianism, Methodism, Quakerism, Catholicism, Presbyterianism, and all their collateral branches are unpopular in the celestial kingdom of God. While the religion of Adam, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the patriarch, and the prophet, Jesus, and his apostles is the only acknowledged and popular system of religion with the sanctified ones in the presence of the Father and the Son. But, says a Presbyterian, Abraham was a polygamist. He was. And you say that his religion is popular in heaven. It is the only religion acknowledged there. That comes from Journal of Discourse, Volume 9, page 319. When recording his great vision of the preexistence, Mosiah Hancock began by saying, I saw the Eternal Father in his, on his throne and his wives on his left side, all shining in glory. That comes from Hancock's Journal, page 71, and we're on page 245 now. What a shock this will be for all those good Christian members who have ridiculed and persecuted polygamists for centuries. Even the most Mormons will be distressed to learn that the God who gave so many laws on plural marriage actually lives those laws himself. It cannot be denied that God permitted and even commanded Old Testament prophets and apostles to live plural marriage. If it were wrong, they, with all their knowledge and inspiration, certainly would have been the first to disclaim it. Referring to this, even Bruce R. McConkie had to admit in Mormon Doctrine, second edition, page 522, quote, we learn that the Lord frequently did command his ancient saints to practice plural marriage. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, among the host of others, conform to this ennobling and exalting principle. The whole history of ancient Israel was one in which plurality of wives was the divine, it was divine, sorry, was the divinely accepted and approved order of matrimony. Millions of those who entered this order have in and throughout it, have in and throughout it, gained for themselves eternal exaltation in the highest heaven of the celestial world. End quote. That again is from Mormon Doctrine, second edition, page 522. At that time, as well as now, there are more worthy women than men. Same condition is apparent in both the pre-mortal and post-mortal worlds as well. This plural marriage seems to be the only answer for this continuing problem. And now we're going to be talking about an eternal priesthood law. Uh, we're almost to page 246. Did you have anything you wanted to say? Sorry, that or yeah. I know there's nothing I want to say. Okay. People who do not live plural marriage often voice strong objections and arguments against it, but they do so without any experience. Page 246. This is similar to the person who argues against Christianity without ever opening a Bible or entering a chapter. But in a religious sense, plural marriage did not originate with man, but with God who is the only one who can see clearly the eternal picture of mankind and why obedience to the principal ordinance, covenant, and law is so important. In reality, it provides another opportunity for God to bless his saints in the following ways. Temporal blessings, number one, it gives all women a chance to have a husband and children and a better husband at that. 
Number two, barren women can have the joy and satisfaction of still being a mother in Israel by being a mother to her sister's wives, children, a mother to her sister wives' children. Number three, it encouraged fidelity to one's spouse rather than promiscuity, fornication, adultery, etc. Number four, it provides another helping hand in a man's earthly kingdom at home and at work. Number five, a man has a greater source of counsel from several wives rather than just one. Number six, it provides a man with greater experience in handling a variety of women, preparing him for eternal marriages. Number seven, with a division of responsibility, wives have more free time for their own personal interests. Number eight, each wife will usually put forth her best conduct and appearance in order to put to please her husband. Number nine, while one or more wives pursue activities outside the home, their children can be well taken care of by those wives who prefer to stay at home. Number 10, economically, should wives desire to live together, one home is cheaper to maintain than two. Spiritual blessings, number one, on page 47, yes. Uh, that wouldn't work for us because you're like, I want my own house and my own kitchen and my own this and my own that. <laughs> I kind of like how uh, um, Cody Brown did his I'm house. a little bit more. I'm a little bit more. So when it comes to mine and my husband's relationship, my our relationship, I am a fixer. And so I'm always like, I can do that. I can do this. I can do that. And I kind of run circles around everybody. <laughs> it's how um, it works. Like my husband to... works. He's a hard worker, and he does a lot of fencing on the farm too. But I'm always like, that's okay, I can do that, I can do this, I can do that. And I'm always trying to help everybody and fix everything for everybody, and I micromanage things, and I can do six things at once. It's the benefits of having ADD. <laughs> That's why she's a good uh, elementary school teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did want to say one thing. Um, so okay. it was talking about, like, people that have never lived polygamy that are, like, critical of polygamy because they hear stories about people who live polygamy that are jerks, right? And it's what I always yep. say. You're not against monogamy when you find out that some abusive psychopath is, like, controlling some woman's, woman's life or children's life. So you don't flip out right. about that. But you use the same, you know, like, okay, some jerk is controlling. Hold on. Sometimes the women do, though, but then they become um, lesbian because they don't want to deal with men. Just saying. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, you know, these yeah. these people who mean. advocate against polygamy, they freak out because, like, yeah, there are some circumstances where men are jerks, but they don't yep. freak out against monogamy where things just as bad or worse happen, you know. Yeah. It, it's just I hypocritical. Totally so mm-hmm. we know, we personally know um, good, good uh, polygamous marriages, people who are more friends with them. So, and then the other thing I wanted to say, so I was talking to a guy um, on uh, 
Friday, I think it was, and we were talking about, you know, work and employment and all this, and he's all like, my mom, and I was like, did you just say your mom? He said, yeah, my mom, and I was like, oh, are you, like, uh, from polygamy? He's all, yeah, and he told me where he lived, and then I was like, oh, you're an AUB guy, and he's all, yeah, but I just thought it was funny, because he was all, my mom. Funny. <clears throat> okay, so moving on to spiritual blessings. Number one, celestial plural marriage comes with the conditional promise of an eternal marriage relationship as gods and goddesses. Number two, as such, it provides the opportunity of having your own spirit children. Number three, such individuals will receive exaltation and associate Um, and associate with their gods and goddesses forever. There are reasons for every principle, ordinance, covenants, and law that God has given. We may not always see the reasons, nor nor will obedience always be easy, but they all have their purpose. The Prophet Joseph stated in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, pages 256 and 57, quote, And as God has designed our happiness and the happiness of all his creatures, he never has, he never will institute an ordinance or give a commandment to his people that is not calculated in its nature to promote that happiness, which he has designed and which will not end in the greatest of good and glory to those who become the recipients of his law and ordinances. End quote. Again, that's from Teachings for the Prophet Joseph Smith, pages 256 and 57. Celestial plural marriage, then, should be recognized as an eternal law of the priesthood, a command of God for the well-being, happiness, and exaltation of his elect, who will eventually rejoice in this blessing of the holy priesthood. And that is the end of that. (laughs) Okay, well, that's the end of the program then. Uh, <laughs> anybody who wants to call in, guest call in number is 917-889-8827, but there's nobody in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. So um, when we come back on tomorrow, we'll be reading the introduction and possibly chapter one of Holy Priesthood Volume 5. And... Um, yeah, uh, that's what we're going to be reading tomorrow. So, um, Also, another thing, on my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977, I do post past episodes. Um, and since Blog Talk Radio likes to, after a couple of years, just delete my radio shows, like they say that they're still there, but they're not there. I've tried to listen to them. Is I've been trying to get the oldest episodes that are still on iTunes uploaded onto YouTube before they delete everything. So, uh, so last night I uh, I did two uh, YouTube videos, uh, which are basically just screen sharing. Um, 
So it, you'll see you'll see pictures and stuff because they put it on a slideshow program, and then I've got the audio recording in the background. So it, it the audio is on the video, but the video is just a bunch of uh, you know quotes and pictures and stuff that are on my radio show um, art basically. And last night I did um, the Gathering of Israel topic one A. And it says it's from the Gathering of Israel, which is a book that I wrote, I read in the past. But it kind of sounds like to me it's from the 95 Thesis. But for some reason, I didn't write that down on the program information. But anyway, it's only 53 minutes long. And I did post that on uh, my, uh, my Facebook wall. Um, one really way, uh, easy way... Uh, to keep up to date with all of these things that I post that are of a religious, theological nature, is to go like my page, Zion's Redemption Radio Network or Zion's Redemption Bookstore. I usually post just these programs in that place. Uh, If you go to my Facebook wall, you'll see other things. Like, for instance, I posted an interesting little video called The Bohemian Rhapsody, and uh, it's basically the music, but it's like in a play and how, like, it's just, it's silly. I think it's funny. So, then I'll post political things and other funny things on my wall, and uh, people that don't want to see all that, you know, just go uh, like that Zion's Redemption Radio Network and Zion's Redemption Bookstore pages. As always, you can go to OgdenCloud.com to read this and many other books, as well as purchase books from that place, from Pioneer Publishing down in Santa Quin, Utah. It's Kevin Kraut's um, print shop and bookstore, and uh, he is the son of Ogden Kraut, and he's the one that takes care of all of that stuff these days. So, really interesting guy, uh, really uh, I enjoy talking to him. Uh, lots of people enjoy talking to him. Like when you talk to him, you talk about any subject because he has talked a lot about a lot of different subjects and he's a wealth of knowledge. So anyway, don't be afraid to call them if you uh, are interested in possibly purchasing books. Uh, they are very, uh, the people at that bookstore, uh, print shop are very friendly. So all right, um, I don't see anybody calling in with questions or comments. So is there anything that you uh, had to say before we get out of the program for tonight? Nope, I think that we ended at the perfect time this time, which is kind of a miracle for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, I am having issues with my studio right now. Oh, so let's see if I can get that fixed real quick. Okay, everything's good now. All right, well, we'll be back on tomorrow at 8 p.m. And uh, thank you for reading, Kim. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this. And uh, I will post this. Uh, the text is posted at facebook.com for L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. That's Lazarus 1977. 
And uh, for those of you who say, oh, that's not spell right, um, it's kind of funny because I, Lazarus 1977 was my old YouTube, no, my old you, what is that, mail thing, you mail, or, can't remember. Anyway, it was an email service, and somebody chose, already had the correct version in 1977. I was like, ah, man, so I spelled it wrong. Yahoo, yeah, Yahoo. Anyway, um, yes. I spelt it wrong, but who cares? Because the original name of Lazarus was Eleazar. Oh, Lazarus isn't spelled right to begin with. <laughs> it was Eleazar. Anyway, let me uh, let me just finish the program with that, and I'll talk to you all later. I'll call you after the uh, music gets done playing. So. Love you, and okay. thank you, everyone, for Love listening. Take care. God bless, and goodbye. Bye. Bye.